Shalom and Happy New Year. I'm Mitch Glazer, president of Chosen People Ministries. I want to welcome all of you to our radio program, The Chosen People. I'm here with my good friend and colleague, Robert Walter, we call him Bobby, who heads up our Brooklyn branch, leads our congregation along with a team of other brothers and sisters, and also is our regional director. And that's a big deal in New York City because when it comes to reaching God's ancient people, the chosen people of the gospel, New York is the place you would want to be. Isn't that true, Bobby? That is absolutely true, Mitch. And shalom and happy new year, everyone. And I, I think I should just add, New York is probably not the place you want to be on New Year's Eve. Um, <laughs> I try to avoid the whole Times Square scene, and I think just about every other New Yorker tries to avoid it as well. We're happy for the tourists to come here. That brings of up course. the income level. you know. <laughs> absolutely. You know, we try to have a good substantial pickpocket business here in New York, and <laughs> we, we need the event, so... Right, right. So Mitch, we're both pretty well aware that January is like that one month in the year where so many people are making a resolution. And at Chosen People Ministries, we're no exception to this. So every January since the founding of this mission, way back in 1894, we've made it a priority to explain our reasons behind sharing the gospel with the Jewish people. Right. In fact, January is a good time where we think about priorities to make Jewish evangelism a great priority. We have a saying, and you might hear it over the next few weeks, we never want Jewish evangelism to become the great omission of the great commission. Mm -hmm. And that's not just because I'm a Jewish believer or we're called to reach Jewish people, but it's biblical. And everything about our outreach to Jewish people stands on uh, the shoulders of Scripture. We know the good news of eternal life through Jesus is for all the nations of the world, but we're really talking about a starting point for where the gospel begins. I think Jesus said it the most eloquently. He always said everything better. Mm -hmm. But in John 4.24, talking to the woman at the well, he said, for salvation is of the Jews. Mm -hmm. Salvation is of the Jews, from the Jews. But salvation was never intended for Jews alone. Right. It's always been intended for all people. So it sort of starts with the Jewish people and continues. But we're going to talk a lot about this as we focus on one of the key verses in Scripture that we do like to talk about every January, Romans 1.16. Mm -hmm. This is where the apostle to the Gentiles, who was a Messianic Jew, Rabbi Paul Saul. <laughs> so I remember when I was reading the New Testament, I, I got it quickly that Jesus was Jewish, but it took me about a year to figure out that St. Paul was Jewish because St. Paul just never sounded like a Jewish name to me. Right, right. But he wrote, he wrote in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So the direction is to everyone. The ground is even at the foot of the cross. Mm -hmm. But the starting point involves the Jewish people in many different ways, and we're going to explore that, beginning with God's covenant and calling of Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees. 
So, Bobby, what do you know about God's promise to Abram? Yeah, well, I think it is important for us to actually go back there to Abraham when we're sort of grappling with this issue. Because Abraham, I mean, he was the first Jewish person ever. And when you look, though, at what God did in and through this one individual who was just steeped in a pagan culture, a pagan context, uh, in Ur of the Chaldees, and then God called him, God set him apart for a purpose and, and called him to leave everything behind, to leave behind his family, his father, his inheritance, the country, the land where he grew and lived, everything, and then to simply follow God. And when God did that in Genesis 12, this is what he said. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. And then he goes on in verse 3 and says that through Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And again, when we look at Abraham as the first Jewish person, we see part of the, the core initial promise that God makes. He has the entire world in view. He has the entire globe. He has all the families of the earth in view. So with this first Jewish person that God calls and sets apart, that he would make a family out of, that he would make tribes and eventually a nation in order to, to be the vehicle through which the Messiah would come, the Savior of the world would come, God had in mind Israel, the Jewish people, and all the families of the earth, all the nations. Well, the rabbis have an interesting discussion, Bobby, as to why God chose Abram. And so let me weave a little story because we don't know a whole lot as to why God chose Abram, but we know a few things that kind of jump out in Scripture. So beginning in Genesis chapter 9, there is a curse on Canaan, which I want to read. Cursed be Canaan, in verse 25, a servant of servants he shall be to his brothers. And then he also said, blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, Japheth, and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. Now, what does that mean? It's pretty cryptic. A lot of things in Genesis are cryptic, but we understand that Shem would be the one through whom the promise would flow. We learned about the promise in Genesis 3.15, where there'd be enmity between the devil and the seed of the woman. Mm -hmm. Eventually, the devil would be destroyed, but in the process, the heel of the son of the woman would be harmed. We, we see that as fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus died for our sins. He, in a sense, his heel was, was bruised. He was killed. He suffered, yeah. In a very gruesome way. But he destroyed the devil. And so this promise would go through Shem, which would ultimately lead to Jesus. So the reason why God chose Abram might very well simply be because he was a son of Shem. He was a descendant of the right son through whom the promises would continue. That's about all we know. But the rabbis tell a little story, and the story goes like this. It's a great Jewish story. Is it true? I doubt it, but it's a great story. So Terah was an idol maker. He had an idol making shop, and like a good Jewish father, he trained his son Abram on how to make idols. And so Abram was a pretty good idol maker, and Terah was a master at it. And so what happened is that Terah went out to do some errands. Maybe he went to the 7-Eleven to get a slushie or, or something like that. And he came back, 
And it seems that while he was away, Abram had smashed all the idols except for one, and he left his hammer in the hands of the idol that he didn't destroy. Terah comes through the door, and he looks over at Abram, and he says, son, what happened? Abram says, I don't know, father, ask him, pointing to the one idol that was intact who had the hammer in his hands. And the rabbis just make a simple point out of this, that even though Abram had the right genealogy, he also had the right personality, the right intellect, and the right soul. Mm -hmm. So the rabbis like to say that God knew exactly what he was doing when he chose Abram, that he chose the right man for the right job to be the father of the Jewish people. The Jewish people are scattered throughout the world. You might live in the middle of a Jewish community or in the middle of the heartland with no Jewish neighbors for a hundred miles. Maybe your best friend in college was Jewish or the only interaction you've had was watching a Jewish actor on TV. Maybe you visited Israel and fell in love with the land and its people, or you haven't, and visiting Israel would be a dream come true. No matter where you live, who you know, or what you do, one thing is true. Israel and the Jewish people have played a huge role in world history and are still an important part of God's plan. After all, God chose this tiny people group to bring salvation to the whole world through Messiah Jesus. If it weren't for the Jewish people, we would not have a relationship with the Father as we have it today. But sadly, many Jewish people still do not know Jesus as their Messiah, and God's heart still breaks for them. So let's join in their story playing the role that God wants us to play in their salvation. As Paul wrote, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Do you want to see the power of God in 2022? Unite with his heart to reach the Jewish people for Jesus, and you will see him unleash his power in your church and community like never before. Let's make God's priority our priority on January 16th, 2022. To learn more, just visit chosenpeople.com slash radio. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. So, Mitch, coming up now, we're actually going to hear from the Getz family. Dear friends of ours, Marty, Jennifer, and Misha, they just do a beautiful job of drawing us into the presence of God through their worship music. And it's so biblical. I just have to say this, that for those of you who know Marty Getz and you've gotten to know me, just so you know, he is my elder brother because we are the same age, born in the same year, and he's one day older than me. Mitch, it's so good to be with you. Thanks Hi. for having us. Thank you, Dr. Mitch. What a privilege to be with you. So our journey did not start, even though we're both Jewish, we didn't even know really that when we came to Yeshua, that his name was Yeshua. <laughs> we came to Jesus because both of us, we did not know each other at the time, but both of us came to the Lord in California, Los Angeles, California. When we came, I don't know about Jenny, but for me, I thought I was becoming a born-again Christian because the people who were praying for me were born-again Christians. So all that to say is we totally see that Romans, when it says that the mercy shown to the Gentile people, they give that mercy to the Jewish people because every one of us is under sin. Every one of us is apart from God. So for some of us, our journey didn't start with a messianic understanding. 
interestingly enough, we became part of the Messianic movement by virtue of singing and being involved with different places. But also, Marty, um, yes, your, when you got saved, your singing partner yes. made you jealous by telling you yes, that that's right. he worshipped your Messiah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so that's a thought, too. He said, you, he, kept, he said the Bible's Jewish, written by Jews, Jesus is Jewish. Of course, it didn't make me believe, but it provoked it me. It provoked you. First to anger. Yep. And then to and jealousy. And that's what the scripture says, that, that the Gentiles good, will provoke the Jews to jealousy. Mm -hmm. So maybe what Gentiles should do make is just jealous. make Jesus so fabulous that, that's very good. that Jewish people do say, what is it you have? That's I true. want it. There is a necessity to reach people just where they are, not from a religious point of view, but from a human need point of view. I, one thing I would say to Christians who want to win Jews for the Lord would be the word Christian has a connotation that is oftentimes very negative for Jewish people. The word Christian and Jew could not go together in any way. So if you're talking to a Jew about Jesus and you refer to yourself as a Christian or you say, do you want to become a Christian? That kind of wording does not resonate with Jews. In fact, it, it would push them away, I would say. So I say I'm a believer in Jesus or a follower of Jesus. And when I'm talking to other people, I, I ask them, are you a believer? Versus the question, are you a Christian? So that's just a very basic thing that I would start with if I was talking to a Jew about Jesus. Amen. Sometimes I tell people, rather than telling people, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Why don't you ask them, tell me about your religion. Hey, maybe I can go to synagogue with you one day. Or hey, maybe I can go to a Passover Seder with you. Like enter into their world. And then when you enter into their world, you can draw from that and say, you know what? When you guys were sitting at the Passover Seder and you were talking about the matzah, and the grape juice or the wine, you know, when I go to communion at my church, we do the same thing. We take a piece of matzah and we take a bread and that's what we call the Lord's table. And you know what? That was a Passover Seder. So I think sometimes it's good to do that, to enter into people's world and come from that point of view. Because Christianity, of course, grew out of Judaism but in many ways, it doesn't resemble Judaism anymore, you know? So that's my kind of piece of that puzzle. And years and years and years ago, Marty wrote a beautiful song called We Being Many. And it's based on Romans 12, 5. And it says, we being many are one body in Christ. And everyone members of one another, loving each other with God as our Father who loves us as a mother loves her newborn child. And I would say from the very beginning, we recognized that we were one body in Yeshua and that God grafted Gentiles into the roots of the Jewish Messiah and we became one family. And um, so that was way, way, way back. Marty and I started singing that song together. Mm -hmm. And way then back. and then when my daughter started singing, we sang with her 
And then I decided that she could sing better than I could, so I let her take over. <laughs> well, when we began, you sang it with me. Yes. Then when she was born, you held her in your arms yes. and we sang it with her. Yes. Then she, as a little girl, sang it with us. Yes. Then she, as a grown-up, sang it. Yes. And now she holds her children in her arms when she sings it with us. Yeah. It's generation to generation. Lador Bador. You know, my brother was going through a very hard time, and we were at my parents' house, and my sister-in-law said to me, you know, when you guys came, the atmosphere changed. Mm. She's not a believer, And she's not, they're not believers at all. As a matter of fact, they're kind of anti-believers. But that's it. You just let the fragrance of Christ, Jesus, just come through you and let people see the beauty that's in you so that they will ask. And that's what the Bible says. And that's, I think, the best way to reach Jewish people. I love your answer. Thank you. That was a great answer. Yes. I appreciate that, Marty. Thank you. Oh, (laughs) well. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. So Mitch, I always love talking about Abraham and and just trying to think through what it must have been like for him when he received that call. And and I do love that rabbinic story as well, because, you know, probably didn't happen. But it's always fun to sort of consider, you know, what Abraham might have been like. And I think one thing we can say with confidence, when we look at the biblical narrative, there really wasn't anything particularly special about him. Right. You know, God didn't choose him because he was the greatest man on earth or the most humble man on earth or, or anything like that. And honestly, I find a lot of comfort in that because I'm not the greatest guy in the world. I'm not the most humble man on the planet, <laughs> uh, although some would disagree. You really can't use your children as witnesses right now, Bobby. <laughs> right. Right. But... Just as God chose Abraham, hey, he chooses us. He chooses those who are are messed up and those who fall short. And then on top of that, he makes promises to us as well, just like he did with Abraham. Right. Abraham is certainly, along with David, one of my heroes. And you will notice as you read through scripture that Abraham becomes a prominent figure in the New Testament as well. And that's because Abraham was tied to the covenant. Mm -hmm. And this covenant, given in Genesis 12 and reiterated in chapter 15, 17, 22, this covenant is foundational to not just the Old Testament or to uh, the Jewish people, but this covenant is foundational for the entire world. Right. Because in that covenant, God creates a nation but also shows that he's going to extend his love for the nations. Through you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so the blessings God promised through Abram to the nations of the world is something that is a truth that goes all the way through Scripture. So I think we should focus a little bit on the nature of this covenant just because it's so important. So... What is this Abrahamic covenant? Yeah, yeah. Well, like you said, I mean, there are certain byproducts of this promise that God makes, right? He, he gets pretty specific about what he's going to give Abraham and and what he's going to use Abraham and his descendants for, right? So one of those things that he promises is a people, right? He, he promises that he's going to make out of Abraham many descendants, a people, a nation. Right. And then also included is a land, right? Right. I mean, later we find out that it's the land of Canaan or the land of Israel, the promised land. It's at a very strategic place in the world. It sits at the crossroads of three separate continents, 
If you go to the east, you have Asia. If you go to the south, it's Africa. And to the north of Israel, it's, you know, Asia Minor and Europe. God was intentional about choosing that specific land. And then on top of that, through Abraham, God promises that he would raise up a king, this special descendant who would rule and reign on the throne. And then all of it, all of it was for a purpose. God made the promise, the covenant with Abraham for a reason, for a a much grander purpose. It wasn't just to bless Abraham just for the sake of blessing him. No, it was in order to fulfill a mission, uh, in order that Abraham and his descendants would be a light unto all the nations. So the Jewish people are a people with a purpose. Right. And that purpose is a God-given purpose that was really based on the Abrahamic covenant, an unconditional covenant, a covenant that depends upon God for its fulfillment, not man. Right. I think that it's really picked up in the book of Hebrews. And in verse 8 in Hebrews, we read, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. You know, when God said, go to the land I will show you, God didn't hand him a GPS. Mm -hmm. Then verse 9, by faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, Yitzchak and Yaakov, fellow heirs of the same promise. So here again we see that the promise went to his descendants. Mm -hmm. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So we're not taking anything away from the specifics of a land promise. But we also understand that there was an Abrahamic destiny that would include the Jews and the Gentiles that would even go beyond the Jewish people having the land of Israel, even beyond the establishment of the Davidic throne, but that almost would uh, walk into eternity. And so Abram was looking for a destiny that not only involved a land, but ultimately a city that would come down from heaven, the New Jerusalem. And when we think of Abraham, we think of the journey. I think of the journey through Jewish history and through Scripture. (laughs) That's a real journey. So over the next few weeks, we're going to walk with Abraham by faith, and we're going to better understand these promises and what God had in store for Abraham and what God had in store for the church and actually what God has in store for each of us because God wants us to be people by faith, not tomorrow, but today. And we learn from the example of Abram's life, not knowing what's ahead, he still pushed forward by faith, knowing that the promises of God were sure and would be fulfilled. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. Well, Mitch, we learned today that God's plan includes a promise to the Jewish people that cannot be ignored or dismissed. God's purpose has always been to save the Jewish people through Messiah Jesus, Bobby. Isaiah 62 verse 1 tells us that his heart burns for his salvation to shine like a torch upon Jerusalem and Zion. And so if you'd like to learn more about God's plan and purposes for the Jewish people, then let me invite you to request a booklet I wrote that outlines this exact topic. And we'll send it to you free of charge when you call us at 888, the number 2, Yeshua, Y-E-S-H-U-A, is Hebrew name. You can also request God's plan and purposes online at chosenpeople.com slash offer. 
And if you'd like to connect with us this year to let us know that you're listening and praying for this ministry and for God's chosen people, then please write to us at Chosen People Ministries, 241 East 51st Street, New York, New York, 10022. That's Chosen People Ministries, 241 East 51st Street, New York, New York, 10022. We look forward to hearing from you soon. And now to close us with the ironic benediction, here's Mitch with singer and songwriter Misha Getz. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem shall Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.